Welcome to Stuff with Steve, and we're back again for part two of a podcast with Sam Kamkar, who grew up in Iran, eventually immigrated to the United States, and he's sharing his uh, spiritual journey, how he went from being a Muslim to becoming a follower of Jesus. And I'm grateful for Sam to be on the podcast uh, with us today. And last time we left off, uh, we were just talking about how in the world he met his wife and how that was a turning point in... uh, his spiritual life as he moved to Oregon, as he used to pronounce it. So, Sam, tell us about how you met your wife and then how that was instrumental. That um, Yes, yes. Well, th- thanks for having me back again. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I, I, I met Shannon, uh, believe it or not, in a donut shop. And uh, the uh, uh, and it has nothing to do with me being a Retired police officer. <laughs> okay, I wasn't going to ask and make a joke about you being in a donut shop. <laughs> no, I I was going to school and uh, actually the Portland State University at the time, working at this donut shop for three four hours in the morning. And uh, she was a hairdresser in a in a salon, in the same shopping center. It was a storm. She just showed up to get a cup of coffee, and the next thing you know, um, you know, we spend a the next 11 hours together that day, and, and I proposed to her two weeks later. Sam, you are one decisive guy. Okay, I, that's I, awesome. I can, yes. <laughs> and uh, Shannon was a Christian at the time? Yes. Correct, and and how did that, how was that part of your spiritual journey? Well, um, I think it it was significant in a sense that, that he or she is as a Christian, and yet, um, she knew that I was a Muslim, mm-hmm. and yet she still married me. I mean, what greater right. what greater love there is yeah. okay. when you think about that, mm-hmm. right? And her same thing with her parents. Her parents, her dad, uh, uh, also a retired uh, state trooper, uh, who was a part time pastor. Uh, the way they accepted me into their life. Uh, and 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 how they loved me, and they brought me into into the circle. I mean, that if, if that's not living God's commandments, I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. So, um, and unbeknownst to me, um, Shannon, you know, was praying for me mm-hmm. along the way. Okay, you know that, and and you know those prayers, along probably with the prayers of many others, uh, paid off mm-hmm. eventually. Yeah. Okay. So what were the circumstances around you eventually becoming a follower of Jesus and believing in Jesus? Well, I think God had been preparing me for that for years, using all the ups and downs of my life, um, the challenges. Um, and the uh, uh, at the end of the day, it, it really boils down to, uh, to three things. First and foremost, um, you know, I mentioned that uh, I believe in, in God with all my heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think uh, it, it, there is no way this amazing cosmos that we live in uh, can 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 happen and be synchronized the way that it is without a designer. Mm-hmm. So that's you got you got to get that out of the way, right? And I even though I went through um, stages in my life where where I question religion and religiosity and and, and I never questioned faith, right? The second part of that had to do with the, the efficacy of the Bible. You know, as I was walking to your office, I saw the, that you had Dead Sea Scrolls. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, 
not all the real the, ones not the real <laughs> yeah, ones all over the uh, the the walls mm -hmm. you know and uh so and i mentioned earlier uh, that that in our earlier podcast that that i spent some time studying that and i wanted to know is is this stuff real you know i wanted to investigate for myself um and and or is this just made up and and the more i i i dove into it the more i studied it the more i became convicted that no this is <laughs> this is not just some made up stuff mm -hmm. and so the efficacy of the bible the authenticity of it uh, uh i had to get over that hurdle that was important for me but then that only gets you part ways because then we go back to this guy named jesus who who was a great man a great leader uh historians have proven over and over again that he existed nobody right. questions that and even his crucifixion that that yes he was crucified but but his resurrection is really the key right mm -hmm. and and the the notion that that this 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 prophet or this man that i knew as a prophet was resurrected at, at some point that that was the the tipping point for me mm -hmm. and and it was when looking into the face of the evidence in which we don't have time to get into now but when i when i saw that when i saw that this is real this has happened for all these reasons that i was content with that that separated jesus from every other prophet from every other good teacher every other religious leader out there that's when uh, frankly i was defeated Mm -hmm. It was like like a battle uh, with with the devil all these years. You know, you you want you want to believe it, you want to believe it, but yet the devil says don't, and then he'll he'll throw all these things at you. And um, so it was the age of twenty seven um, when I was born again. Okay, yeah. awesome. So and that was like four years ago. No. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. Precisely. Yeah. Yes. So how old are you? Uh, Fifty. Okay. So. Um, um, so 23 years ago yeah and you and where were you living then i was living in uh, springfield okay in Springfield. yeah okay. i was living in springfield i moved into a um uh, a, a very nice neighborhood and that was a that was a challenge just keep in mind 23 years ago um mm -hmm. we were at the, we were talking about we're talking desert storm we're talking about oh, right. yeah we're talking about the the war in you know in kuwait and in saddam hussein and what have you so moving to i hate to say this work the the fact of the matter is this is a very white <clears throat> demographic oh right, right? right we're not as diverse as as what i'm used to so moving moving to eugene and springfield was um uh, because of my job my job is what brought me here um was an eye-opener for me um and it and it came with its own challenges um yeah. So, um, so when you moved here, I think you told me once that when you first moved here, you're probably the only Muslim in Springfield. Is that, <laughs> is that something like that? Well, it sure it felt that way anyway. It sure felt that way. Yeah, at the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. It felt a little lonely. All right. So after you become a believer, what are some things that helped you uh, or solidified your faith and really began to support and encourage you in you know, this new? thing called Jesus not Jesus the prophet but Jesus the son of God the son of God yeah Jesus Christ our Lord and mm -hmm. our Savior you know um, 
<laughs> I got I got to preface this by saying is that is that I, when I was debating uh, those Christians, the Bible thumpers, and others who wanted me to to so desperately to mm -hmm. to bring Christ into my life, uh, I used to look at them and say, "Hey, uh, why would I want to join your religion? I mean, you guys have the religion of lazy people. You only go to church once." <laughs> And you pray five week. times a day. I pray five times a day. And people would always say, you know, I, I, I'm I, going to pray for you. And I'm like, you know what? You don't need to because I pray five times a day. I got to get up <laughs> before sunrise and, you know, and you know, go through a cleansing process. And here you are. So I used to look at, look at the whole world of Christianity, if we're going to call it a religion for the sake of argument, as, okay, well, it's easy. I got my ticket, right? Mm -hmm. That's not why I became a Christian, but certainly that, that, no, it's not. Does it's not quite like that. In fact, on the contrary, it's the opposite of that. If we, if our goal and our objective is to is to continue to walk with Jesus and to have that relationship with God, that's an ongoing thing, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Right. And what I discovered is that is that prior to me becoming a Christian, life was actually not that bad. It was pretty good. I mean, I my marriage was fantastic. It, I had a great marriage. I, I owned my own home. Things were good. My job was great. But then I become a Christian, and it feels like the devil just just went to mm -hmm. overtime. And all of a sudden, I'm having you know marital issues with Shannon, and we're debating what this verse in the Bible means, and what that chapter says, or what's the true essence of that, and this and that. And, and of course, uh, I think God throws things at you, and and so does the devil. I, I firmly believe that to challenge you and to uh, to test your faith. Mm -hmm. And so the walk since the age of twenty seven has been a walk, mm -hmm. and it's been a learning journey with lots and ups and downs. And I some days are better than others. I fail at more often mm -hmm. than I succeed. So, okay. I know that uh, there were probably some struggles you had with certain concepts of Christianity, like the death of Christ and and uh, His blood washes away all my sins. Those things were those uh, some things that that you had to work through in your mind. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. The whole the whole concept of the cleansing of your your sins mm -hmm. or what have you. Now that that concept wasn't that new in a sense that even as at a young age. I remember when I was little, my parents got a little lamb, mm -hmm. which is customary in that part of the world. They bring the lamb over, and then you think, oh, yeah, I got a little pet lamb. I'm so excited. Well, uh -huh. guess what? There comes the big <laughs> knife. <laughs> they cut that thing right in front of you, and they bless it, and then they feed the, the meat to the homeless and, and to the you know less fortunate. But there, it's the, shed, the concept of the shedding of the blood of the lamb, right, so mm -hmm. that you're blessed. So that wasn't that, that new to me. But the, the irony of this was, you know, as a Muslim, you pray five times a day, right? Right. And you go through, a, through this ritualistic thing where you, where I, you know, I, I would get up in the morning and before I pray, I've got to make sure that, that I wash my face in a certain way. I wash my hands all the way up from the back of my elbow down to my fingers. I take my socks off and I wash my feet and I go through this cleansing process before I set foot on the prayer rug. And it never really con made 
sense to me about why are we doing this thing, right? Well, we got to be clean because uh, before we, you know, step on a, not a prayer rug. Well, now think about, think about that for a second. Mm -hmm. In order for me as a Muslim to stand before God and connect with him and, and get down on my knees and bow, I've got to be clean and I got to cleanse myself. It wasn't until later as I studied Christianity and I got closer to realize what am I doing? I, there's, there's no soap in the world that's going to clean me up. There's nothing that I can do that's going to cleanse me from what's going on inside, mm -hmm. not on the outside. I could look really pretty on the outside, but the inside is what's going on. And I can't do that on my own. Mm -hmm. You can't do it on your own, Steve. None of us can, yeah. right? And, and somebody else has done that cleansing. Somebody else, I, I need help. And to stand before God, God is so majestic, so big, so powerful, so almighty that I felt like, you know what? I need help here. Mm -hmm. yeah. I got to get I got to get cleansed. And I feel so much better now talking to him. You know, I've been I've been to a mosque a few times. Yeah. And uh, on uh, Friday and talked with people there because they knew I was a Christian pastor. I was coming and. So I've had several conversations. One thing that stood out to me a little bit is that as I talk to people in the mosque is that they're never sure if they're going to heaven and they're never sure if they're really forgiven. And one of the Muslim men said to me, I just hope that Allah will forgive me. Yes. It's just kind of like this. Yes. This, um, a little bit of insecurity popped up, I guess, yeah. in my brief conversations there. Yeah, that was my life. Yeah. You know, um, we talked about Saddam Hussein dropping bombs, right? Mm -hmm. I remember um, we were in the basement with my mom and dad and my grandmother, all Muslims. Bomb, you know, the, the MiGs are overhead. The, 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 I'm looking out, you know, through the, this little tiny little window uh, and the sky is just lit up mm -hmm. with anti-aircraft machine guns, kind of like 4th of July, just on it, on steroids. And... My mom is crying and she's praying to Allah and reciting all these Quranic verses, which by the way, none of us know what it is because we don't speak Arabic, okay. but we just memorize them. My, my, uh, my grandmother is doing the same thing and I'm holding on to my mom's hand and my grandmother's hand and they're squeezing my hand so hard that, I mean, I, I mean I'm losing you know, blood in my fingers. And I'm looking at them and I'm going, okay, it's time. I, I was convinced that I was going to die. The bomb is going to drop on our head. I mean, remember, I'm, I'm only 10 years old, 9 mm -hmm. years old, 11 years old. And I'm thinking, okay, this is our time. And my mom is, looks at me and she's like, hey, now's the time. If you want to ask Allah for forgiveness, now's the time. Let's cash out the ticket. And I called that cashing out my ticket moment right. in my life. But I also knew and I was taught that, that you don't get to cash out your ticket over and over and over again. You only mm -hmm. get to ask God or Allah one time to cash out your ticket. Whether that's true or not, I don't know, but that's what I was taught. Even at a young age, I knew I was sinful. I knew that if I ask God to cash out my ticket, but what if the bomb didn't drop on our head? <laughs> well, I know I'm gonna sin. I know I'm gonna do something bad, but then I'm gonna have to be really, really good and I was having this 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 little in, in internal struggle 
thinking about this while this is all happening. And, and I decided that night to not cash out my ticket. I decided not to ask God for forgiveness that night. I mean, what's a 10-year-old going to do? I mean, when you think about it, right? Mm -hmm. So I decided not to do that knowing or at least subconsciously knowing that I was going to be doing more sins mm -hmm. later right. on. So I never cashed out my, my ticket. Yeah, you, you, yeah. once you cash it out, you don't get to cash it again. You don't get to cash it again. I've just always found that the concept of grace and mercy is absent from Islam. Yes, it's a, it's a tough con. I, I struggled with that concept. Mm -hmm. it, it took me years to get to that point, right? And so it's so important that as we go out, you know, all of us have a job to do, right? The, the, the most, the, the biggest thing that can come out of this conversation with you and I today or anybody who's listening to this podcast is, is what? Is people's salvation, mm -hmm. right? Nothing else matters. But as we go out and, and we do what we're commanded to do, and that is to preach, preach the gospel, the good news, and, and to, to love our neighbors, We've got, to, we've got to remember the audience, right? Mm -hmm. Who's the audience? If the audience are the, especially people from the Middle East, it's so important for us to not start teaching them the doctrine right off the bat. Don't get into that. Don't, 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 don't be talking about the, yeah, Jesus is better and let me tell you about how bad Muhammad is. That's not what it's about. That's where Abe Silas comes into my life. Yeah, so I want to ask you as we kind of wrap things up here a little bit about this Abe Silos, yeah. your friend in Springfield, and that it seems to me as I think about your story a little bit that that uh, or and I think about people if I want to come alongside somebody who's a Muslim and point them to Jesus, I don't start off by telling them about the Trinity or that or some doctrine like that. Yeah. I want to be a friend and a good friend. Don't treat them like a project. Treat them like a friend. That's right. And then um, as you develop that relationship, then uh, other things can happen as you trust God for what happens. What That's happens right. Next. So how does, what's the one thing you would say to someone who has a Muslim friend that you could do to help point them to the gospel? Do what Abe Silos did to me, which was one of my neighbors in Springfield, Oregon. Mm -hmm. And that is, Love them first before you preach the gospel to them. Mm -hmm. That's what Abe did. That's what Abe's wife Karen did. Is they here we are, Shannon and I in Springfield, and I mean, um, not having a so good of a time. We were fairly lonely, and then mm -hmm. here is Abe inviting us over for dinner and being there for us and what have you. And and just as they did, I got to see a man that and, and a woman that loved Jesus with all their heart. Mm -hmm. Love your neighbor first before you preach the gospel. And if you want to preach that gospel, show them through your conduct. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I, uh, I've always felt that was the most effective approach with people and, uh, and that we don't treat people as projects. We want to get to know people. Yes. Yeah, and so forth. So uh, how did your family respond to you becoming a Christian? <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh, that wasn't so good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, it was not favorable. Uh, I, I don't want to speak 
uh, in detail about anything negative. Um, I love my family. I have family members who are still Muslim. Mm -hmm. I have friends that I love dearly, that we have great relationships who are Muslims mm -hmm. and Sikhs and, and what mm -hmm. have you. Uh, but it wasn't favorable. Uh, but today, uh, even many of my family members who used to be devout Muslims, they're no longer practicing Muslim Islam. But yet they haven't lost that need for connection with, you know, uh, they need to connect with God, their faith in, in a creator. They just haven't been able to get over that hump and, and see the beauty of what they're missing. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and I pray for them. And, and I would love nothing more than to see my parents and others um, see the Jesus as I see him. As, as you and I see him for, for what he is and what he was and what he is today. Um, so, Okay, that's awesome. So uh, the power of the gospel transformed your life. Yes. Yeah, and, uh, and you have a, a remarkable platform to talk to people uh, in just so many ways that you, uh, in the business world in which you in, your former law enforcement career before you retired and and so it's just uh, incredibly encouraging to me to see how the Lord's used you in people's lives. And I just think that's fantastic. I think it's one thing that I want people to, to go away listening to today's podcast is simply that, that uh, we can be like that neighbor of yours, Abe, right? We can be an Abe. Yes. Who I think dunked you in the swimming pool to baptize you, right? Yes, yeah. he did. And uh, that would just love you unconditionally. And I think that's a message that we can all take away. Yes. Well, I just want to thank Sam for being here on the podcast with me today. Grace and peace be with you. And we'll talk to you next time on Stuff with Steve.